how did you know to kind of take a step back from it all? Like what, what, was there a moment? It hasn't been a moment. It's just been a lifetime of, you know, of some therapy and some recovery and meditation mm-hmm. and spirituality of just like what gets in the way from me living my truest life. When I started therapy, my, my therapist was like, I want you to say daily affirmations. Wow. Yeah. The first one was I am enough. Oh my goodness. So I, I read it and I was like, I am an F. I'm like, well, I'm not saying that one. I'm like, what oh, about, and he goes, uh, 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 slow up. That's the one you need to say. Cause wow. that's the one you have the most resistance to. So I had it taped to my mirror and every morning I'd go and he said, before you brush your teeth, you look in the mirror and you say, I am enough. And it was hard for years to just look in the mirror, say, I am enough. doesn't mean I have to do enough. I'm a human being, not a human doing. What's up, guys? It's Logic. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? What's up, guys? Logic. Are you all hear me? Is this what you want? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Logic, and this is Logically Speaking, and I am here with the extraordinary, amazing, fantastic, good guy, great person, father, husband, friend, writer, Comedian, producer, Rain Wilson. Friend? Um, you count me as friend? Hell yeah, I count you as a friend, bro. What you mean? Totally. Look at that. See, that's how you shake a hand, Fabian. My uh, One of my producers slash camera guys doesn't know how to shake my hand. Fucking Fabian. I know. That's I, why I devoted this, this episode to Brandon, <laughs> the other producer. Exactly. Um, so yeah, man, you know, I think I want to start out by actually saying I've never seen The Office. Is that weird? Is that a weird thing to say? Do you want me to act it out for you? No, don't do that. Um, that's not a weird thing, man. Um, and, but your wife. Obsessed. Obsessed. And the reason I haven't watched it is because I'm so excited because I've seen such great television and like, I've seen an episode here or there, you know what I mean? But like, I'm like saving it. You're saving it. Because everyone's like, it's the best shit in the whole world. So I'm like. Nice. I think I'm almost save it till you get like hip replacement surgery (laughs) and like you're on your back for a month and a half and you can just stream the shit out of it. Okay. Um, it's not very good. (laughs) Honestly, it's not as good as everyone says. Mm. So you're really not missing much. Here's a question for you. So like the way that people outside of hip hop, like in mainstream media know me originally was from the 1-800 song, right? About suicide prevention. And there was a time like, I mean, it's amazing, especially now I'm like, dude, if there's ever a way to be remembered, you know, as a mental health advocate, like it's a real honor. But there was definitely a time when I was like sick of the song. You know what I mean? Because you're just doing it everywhere all the time. All the time. It's like, it's the suicide guy. I'm like, oh my God. Have you uh, ever felt that way with that particular show? And then have you ever then looked back and been like, wow, that was actually really awesome. Yeah, I guess I'm going through that right now. And Mm. I, and I do struggle with it sometimes when, you know, people come up to me on the street and like, I had this kid the other day come up to me on the street and he was like, Dwight, Dwight. I was was like, Hey, and he's like, I'm your biggest fan. And I was like, okay, biggest fan. What's my actual name? And he's like, uh, uh." (laughs) I'm like, you're not my biggest fan. He's like, can I get a picture? No. You lose. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny when like you sit down with somebody 
even in like a professional space like this and they don't know anything. So I think I'd love to talk about, um, the almanac of happiness. That's a joke. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. You could have sold it a lot better. You want to try it again and not tell me and I like know. really let that deadpan hang? I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, is he going to... Because <laughs> that was, it was good. It Geography was good. of Bliss. The show's called Geography of Bliss. Yeah. Do you get the joke, people? What, what was happening Almanac of Happiness. I'll never forget, you, you, uh, you've heard of Mac Miller? Of course. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. Amazing musician. And I'll never forget. He went on some radio show one time for his, um, was it his sophomore album? Might've been his third album. I forget, but it was, um, uh, watching movies with the sound off and, <laughs> and the person interviewing him goes, so yeah, tell me more about your new album, watching TV on mute. And they were fucking dead serious. <laughs> I'm just like, how can you even call yourself a journalist or an interviewer or whatever? Right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, so look, now that the jitters are but, out, but uh, your new album, University Neighborhoods, out, and I just want to—I'm <laughs> wondering how that's doing, how the fans responded, and it's uh, it, they they uh, they, they like university uh, university neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah. No, Park. but let me say more about Dwight thing because please, it's a it's a weird dance you do as an actor. Like, so 14, 15 years as a professional actor, I did a bunch of theater. I did a bunch of shitty TV show like CSI and charmed and, and law and order and stuff like that. And little guest spots. And then, um, and then I hit on, well, I start doing six feet under and then I hit the office and it's super popular for the first half of it. And then it's trailing off and then it disappears. 2015, 16, no one's thinking about or talking about The Office at all. And then Netflix happens mm. and all of a sudden it's way more popular with billions of more views and streams uh, than it ever was when it was on TV. And it has this huge resurgence. So I've been doing this dance with Dwight where it's like, <laughs> I was just, I was Dwight and then kind of Dwight went away and then I was doing some other project and then it was back better than ever. And like, it's kind of crazy that this show that I finished 10 years ago is bigger than it ever has been. And I'm more recognizable than ever. But I honestly feel like the acting roles that I've done since The Office, no one's really seen them, <laughs> you know? I've seen them. But Super, I, but Super is one of my favorite movies of all time. Super. That's sweet. Classic. That's sweet. I was, I did that toward the tail end of The Office, but I'm really like since like 14, 13, 14 till now, I've done really cool roles and fun shows, cool little movies, indies, big movies, you know, and I, I, I feel really satisfied. Like as an actor, I get to play these different roles and, um, but I'll always be known as Dwight. That's what's going to be on my tombstone at the end of the day. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> pays the bills. And that's what allows me to write a book and have people buy it because no one gives a shit about Rain Wilson, but it's like, oh, the guy who played Dwight wrote a book. I'll, I'll check that out. So wow. it's all good. Did it's you get a good. lot of calls after the resurgence? Like, did your phone start blowing up? Like we got this gig for you. No. Okay. Not so much. Well, Not I so like much. to call you and just tell you that you're great. Oh, yeah. I like to text you randomly. You do text randomly. It's it's really kind of beautiful. Thank you. It's I a link or a photo or some weird thought. Yeah. I think that's important. Like I really, really like, I'm actually scared to even ask certain people to do this podcast because especially in fucking Hollywood, everything's about like using other people. And I'm not with that. Like, 
the reason I asked you here and got you can the, use me anytime, Bobby. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. Back anyway. Wow. So the reason that I asked you is because I don't know. I feel like we're like a weird like buddy comedy in real life. It's like so weird. Like you'll just come to my house in Bend, Oregon, where we're neighbors. Yes, and then like make beats on my MPC. It's crazy. How did we first meet again? I have no idea. I have no fucking clue. How did that happen? Oh, chess. It was the chess tournament. Oh, right. Shout out chess.com. You know, I just had Danny. Danny Wrench. He was on my podcast. No way. Yeah. He's the guest before you. Do you know Danny's story about growing up in the cult stuff? Yes, all of it. Did you know that, you know, he's writing a book? Yeah. You know who put that together, don't you? This guy. No. Oh yeah. I hooked, I hooked him up with my people and got him a fucking deal. Oh my God. Yeah. He's got one hell of a story. And by the way, listeners and viewers, if you haven't read Bobby's uh, autobiography, this strange, wonderful, happy world, (laughs) um, it's uh, my glorious, bright uh, horizons upon which I sail. No, but seriously, if you haven't read his book, you've got to read his, I'm going to be the biggest plugger right now. Your autobiography memoir was fucking amazing. And it it is, it is amazing. Your story is fucking incredible. It's harrowing, but somehow you tell it with grace and with humor and lightness and inspiration. It's not depressing, but uh, it's really like making me anxious. No, no, no. It's uh, thank you. I'm, this is legit. There's no, we're here to talk about your book. There's no smoke being blown here. Like it is a legitimate great story. It's a beautiful and great story. I appreciate that. I I mean it. And I, you know, furthermore, I just want to say thank you for, for being here because, um, you were somebody that I was a bit nervous to ask because I, I just never want to ever step over any bounds personally. You know, I think, um, like I said, we live in a town, everybody's trying to get something from somebody else. And I just like, all I want is your friendship. So thank you for, um, for being here today. It really means a lot to me. Um, I appreciate it. It is a very odd couple that an almost 60 year old weird actor (laughs) was friends with like this kind of offbeat rap star. Um, and, uh, but I, but I like it. I love it, man. I, I, I love your perspective. And here's the thing about me with the asking is I've been in therapy for 20 years. Wow. And one of the things I work on in therapy a ton is called boundaries Mm -hmm. for those who don't know. Google that shit. But, you know, so I'm, I'm really good at saying no to people if they're, if I don't want to do it or if it's crossing a line and, and communicating about it because I used to be terrible at that. I've learned how to say no. I think once I learned how to say no, I found, um, I found my almanac of happiness. So, you know, (laughs) was it almanac? What was it? Was that it? Yeah. Close enough. Was that what I said? Whatever. Anyway. Um, no, but for real, like I used to say yes to everything to the point where I, was extremely depressed and didn't even know I was depressed. Overcommitted. Like, yeah, like just everybody, you know, you got people in your pocket, do this show, do this show, do this show, go here, go here, go here. And then like, they're saying like, when I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm really tired. You hear shit like, you never know. You might not be here ever again. Like, what the fuck? Like, who says something like that? Like, you got to get it now. And I'm like, get what now? I just made $30 million. I'm set. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, and, but it's because people are in your pocket and they, and you made $30 million. I made $30 million in 2018. Can I? Can I, can I talk to you later about that? I just, I need a little help on the, on the rent. No problem. <sighs> some gambling. I got you. Do we just play the, footsies a little bit over here? I bet it all on the bucks. And uh, <laughs> I love that you're so naturally funny. 
Like you don't try to be funny and that's why you're funny. I, when I try to be funny, I'm not funny. That's Brandon. Am I right, Brandon? You are correct. Check that out. Yeah. So what would you, what would you say, Brandon? Is it, oh, I like that. Are we going, Check are we going dad bods? Let's go. DJ dad bod. That's my uh, DJ name. You know, I have a song called dad bod. That's right. Yeah, I've heard and that. And what's really funny is when the track list came out, this is how stupid hip hop is. <laughs> when the track list came out, everybody was like, that song's going to be terrible. And it's like the best song on the album and everybody loves it. Anyway, so Seattle, um, tell me, man, tell me about, uh, what was your home like growing up? What was your household like? So, Percival, tell me Percival. Uh, I had a very strange home life. Um, I've written about it a little bit in my various books and whatnot, but here was the weirdest thing as I look back on it from my age in my mid fifties is that my parents were very spiritual and very into religion and they were members of the Baha'i faith, which is a very lovely in religion. I don't mean to disparage the faith, but my parents in their very flawed interpretation of it, if a religion that was completely about love and peace and unity, if there was no love or peace or unity to be found in my home. Wow. So, so it was a weird thing to grow up. It's like gaslighting uh, this a kid growing up in a home where we have prayer gatherings and we're doing service work and we're getting together with other and singing with Baha'is and getting together with people of different faiths and talking about love and unity, but they didn't love each other. Wow. And it was this weird thing when I was writing my, uh, my kind of comedic memoir, The Bassoon King, I went and <laughs> talked to them about the, their marriage. And I was like, cause there it's my mom left when I was a year and a half. Mm. So she took off and I went with my dad. So it was kind of a reverse of what usually happens. Yep. He got remarried to my stepmom who pretty much raised me. But I asked my dad and my stepmom, like, when did you know? And I didn't really meet my mom again until I was about 15. Wow. So I said, when did you know that the marriage wasn't working and wasn't going to work? And they were like, within about six months after we got married. Wow. And they stayed together for 14, 15 years after that. So you grow up in a house of two people that don't love each other. They fight all the time. And then they're talking about God and prayer and love and service and unity and bringing people together and which I believed in and yeah. I wanted to. And we kind of on the surface had a really normal house. I mean, we had a, we would walk the dog and there was a garden in the back and we would watch, you know, taxi on television and, and sitcoms. And, uh, you know, I, I took piano lessons and I lived in suburban Seattle that we were very, very poor. Um, had a shout out being broke. Not, not Bobby Hall poor, but not, <laughs> not Sir Robert Bryson Hall poor, but, uh, you know, my dad drove a Ford Pinto and worked in a sewer uh, construction company. My mom was a homemaker and we had a 1100 square foot house, concrete, cinder block house. And, you know, it was, you know, middle class, I guess, lower middle class. He made like 15 grand a year, you know, but, uh, but it seemed normal, but it was that, so that, that fucked me up. That did a real number on me later on in life. What was it like reconnecting with your mother at 15 years old? Do you remember it? What was it like? She would occasionally call like maybe every two years. And sometimes I would get a Damn, post. Sounds like my dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's abandoned. Was she smoking crack that. too? She wasn't smoking crack. She was probably doing a lot of smoking, a lot of weed and doing acid, but I, I don't really know about her drug 
life. I do know that she had the craziest life after she left my dad. She, she lived, she joined a cult for a while. Whoa. She worked in an insane asylum in Bismarck, North Dakota. She had a goat named angel of the morning. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. I'm not making this up. Yeah. It this sounds, sounds like, it's a, it sounds like a, a, a once upon a time in Hollywood, Charlie, Charles Manson. Yeah. Like B-side deep cut. Um, <laughs> she was in a cult group, cult therapy group in Oakland called I think it was like the family or something like that. Or oh the, shit. She was, group was Marlon Brando like, in the circle. Um, I don't think so, but okay. it was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty nuts. De Niro but, just pops out like, Meh. it's the family. What are you talking about? I fucking cut your nuts off. The family. Oh my God. That was so good. Uh, listen, Bobby, <laughs> do you need, uh, do you need Marlon Brando on the, on the show? The breath wanna, though. That's what really gets me. The like <sighs> failing heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, fat Brando. I, I think young Brando is more like, hey, you know, uh, you know, I love you. Stella, come on over here. All it's right. a little higher. I like that. Okay. So back to cult therapy. So, yeah. So, so, so my mom at, when I was 15, made a concerted effort to be a mom again. So she called my parents and what? said. You can't just show up mid masturbatory years in a young man's life. Like, Hey, it's time to. But here's the deal. She did. She called my parents. She's like, I want to play a real role in Rain's life, which she had obviously said before. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then she started showing up and she'd be like, I'm going to be in town this weekend. I'd love to visit. Here's a birthday card. I remember she sent a birthday card with some money. That was like the first gift I'd ever gotten from her for my 15th birthday. I got a hundred dollar bill from her, Wow, which is more money dude, than I'd ever dude, had. I mean, a hundred dollars in 1946. I mean, that's got to be that, crazy. Right? Depression era, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I bought myself a <laughs> An Oldsmobile. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry. But uh, yeah. So you know, it was. It actually was great because my mom, for all of her strangeness and and dubious history, was very um, uh, emotionally mature in a lot of ways, and she was able to speak about emotions in a way my other parents wow. weren't. So she was able to kind of like be with me and be like, how are you feeling? What's going on in your heart right now? And how did that, how did that make you feel as a kid who never really grew up around that? And then all of a sudden an adult is talking to you like an adult, not a child. I would cry. I would burst into tears. Wow. No joke. I remember oh one time I was, I was in a Denny's with her and she's like, how are you? You seem kind of upset. And, and just her asking me that, I just started sobbing in the Denny's. I was 15 years old. I feel like sometimes that's all somebody needs. It's just somebody there to talk. Yeah. You know? And I feel like, especially as kids, we didn't have that, you know? And your friends aren't asking. You don't even want to talk to your friends. You just want to like watch SpongeBob and, you know, like play at the park. So for somebody to actually take the time to do that, uh, it, it, I can only imagine. Yeah. It's powerful. I mean, it's one of the most powerful human things to say, how are you feeling? I see you. I'm listening to you. I, I, I witness you. I care. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. How are you feeling today, Rain? I feel really good, man. Honestly, I feel really fucking good. That's I awesome. love my life right now. I love it. Good. I had sex with my wife this morning. Fire. How was that? We've been together for almost 33 years. Wow. Older than Brandon. Brandon was conceived... Brandon might be my son. <laughs> so, so you had sex today. And, you know, I, my book came out. It's doing pretty well. And um, 
I'm going to do some acting and I'm, uh, I, I'm, my son is doing well. And is he still playing guitar? He's playing guitar Hell yeah. and he's going to go to college. Uh, this that's fall. weird. He was like 12, three days ago. It, it happened so fast, bro. You know, how's Bobby jr. Dude. Oh my goodness. So yesterday I was like, I just had a fucking weird day. Like I woke up, my son woke me up. He jumped on my head. Love that. You know, my wife's all pregnant and naked walking around, just looking like a goddess. Well, not in front of the boy, but anyway, <laughs> he was downstairs watching cartoons. And, uh, you know, I'm in a great mood and I'm giving her a hug and telling her how much I love her and thanking her for just all that she does for our family. And I'm just like in a good mood. And then I come over here and it was pretty uh, gloomy. It's been kind of weird out yeah, here. In the yeah, the weather was and, real yeah. dark yesterday. And so I, I don't know. I just started like doubting myself. And this, this does happen from time to time, especially just with my music, you know, because it's like, I'll be in this mood, this day, like, bro, I'm sitting on like 10 albums, like, and I'm like, when do I drop this one? Where do I drop da, da, da. And I don't know. I was just kind of down on myself and I had a meeting that I had to do. And then after that, I wanted to spend time with my boy. And so I went back home to get little Bobby and kiss Leo, the unborn baby in my, my wife's tummy, who's doing good. Did you and, put your head into the vagina to do that? Did you get, I, I didn't. You didn't? No. You went through the walls of the... Yeah. Okay. On the outside. Doesn't really like count. Like a neighbor. Okay. Anyway, Rain, so... Um, you go home to get a little Bobby. Yeah, yep. I get great. Bobby. It's a gray day. You're doubting yourself. Yeah. And then my wife, like, she could tell. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm anxious. I was pretty anxious. And she was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I don't know. I'm just... I, I don't know. And I was... There was a part of me that was like, maybe I shouldn't take my son out right now because I was like, maybe I'm not in the best headspace and maybe I just need to relax and calm down. And this fucking kid wakes up from his nap. Oh, I could cry. Fuck dude. Sorry. I think you should. No, I'm not going to cry. And, and he fucking says, you know, he's like, daddy. And he fucking runs to me and he gives me the biggest hug and he goes, I love you with all my heart. This kid's three years old. Oh my God. And it makes me emotional because like, it just makes me happy that I'm fucking there for this kid. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I don't know how anybody wasn't there for me. And it like kind of makes me not angry. It used to make me angry, but it makes me proud of myself. I'm going to be honest. And as soon as that happened, my like whole day brightened up. It was the weirdest thing. Mm. It's just like, and I was like, we're getting fucking ice cream. Let's go. But what's crazy. I actually didn't tell him we were getting ice cream. I was like, we're going to go out. And he goes, you're going to go ice cream shop. And I was like, you fucker, you're, you're telling the end of the movie. Like, so then we went and we got him some ice cream. So and, it was, it was yeah. really powerful for me when I was about a year and a half, two year, excuse me, when my son Walter was about a year and a half, two years old, that's when my mom left me and my dad. She yeah. had an affair and, and left the marriage. And when I saw my little Walter, and how bonded he was to Holiday, my wife, at year and a half, two, like just needed her, needed to touch her, needed to know where she was, needed those hugs, you know, would wake up and immediately, well, mama, you know, like, where's yeah. mama? And needed that connection to mama. And like, that's the age when my mom took off. Wow. And that was really, that hit me hard. And that's, I think little Bobby, you're seeing like, Dada, I love you. Like you wanted to say that to your dad. You wanted to wake up from a nap and be like, Dada, I love you. And have your dad give you a big hug and take you for ice cream. And that's a, it's a primal wound, man. It's, it's, it's serious shit. And, uh, the fact that we're both alive from traumas like that, um, 
is pretty fucking cool. I agree, man. And, and, you know, I spent years and years trying to reconnect with my dad, even when I knew I shouldn't. And, you know, one of the last times I tried to reconnect with my dad, he, first thing he asked me for is a million dollars. He says, I need a million. He says, he says, boy, I need a million dollars. I said, for what? First of all, can we go catch motherfucker shit? Can we go fishing or something? Like you <laughs> need a throw, million dollars. Can we throw a Nerf football? Yeah, seriously. You know? So I'm like, okay, uh, no. Why do you need a million dollars? And he's like, so I can get a, a studio house for my band because my dad plays African percussion and sings. He's actually a damn good musician. If I'm being honest, it's just, you know, the drugs and all that. Uh, so shit never really panned out. And I was like, dad, no. And I put him out of my life again because I set these boundaries and he would just step over them. And I always told my dad, I said, don't talk to me about money and don't talk to me about fucking music. Like my dad, he really does. He'll call me, he calls me logic. Like even to this day, like he'll, sometimes it'll slip out or, and, he, and he'll say, no, he won't. And, and then I look at his phone and my name is logic and his fucking phone. And I'm like, bro, what? Anyway, a couple months ago, I decided that I was going to let my dad back in my life because I'm looking at my little boy and I'm like, and now he's like, I need $30 million because <laughs> <laughs> you talked about it on your podcast. Exactly. Sorry. Keep going. No, I thought about, there was a version of me at 50 years old, wiser than I am now whose dad is dead. Right. It's just, there's never going to get that back. And I was like, you know what? Here we go. I'm going to try it yet again. And I let my dad back in my life, fly him out here, first class, take care of him. Walks in the door, goes, I need a truck. I need you to buy me a truck. Oh, Off jump, right? So instead of doing what I always would do, which is go, fuck you. How could you do Not really, but like being like, how could you talk to me about this? Da, da, da. I'm putting you out of my life again. I said, I said, dad, you haven't been here. And he was like, I need you to pay my bills. And all this shit. And I was just like, why, why are you doing the one thing I asked you not to do? And then he's like, and then we got to hit the studio. So it's like literally all the things yeah, I was like, yeah. please don't do money, 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 music. Yeah. And I was like, why dad? And he looks me in the face and he says the greatest answer he could give me. He says, I don't know. So why are you asking me this shit? I don't know. And then he's like, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm like, what are you embarrassed about? And this was when shit started to get deep. And he said, um, I just want to leave something for your brother. Cause 30 years ago after my dad had me, he got, well, he did two things in this order. He got a paternity test clearly <laughs> to make sure I was his baby. And then, um, second, he, um, got a vasectomy almost 30 years later. He was in a program, knocks up a 22, 23 year old girl. Um, she has a baby a year later, she dies of a heroin overdose. My dad takes the baby. And I remember telling him, like, I want to adopt that baby. And my wife was pregnant. And I was like, I want to adopt my little brother. And he was like, just give me the money. So this is the kind of person I was dealing with. He, things are a bit different and we'll get there in a second. Sorry for talking so damn much. I like it. But it is a podcast. Um, and I said, well, I said, you're fine. What do you mean you're embarrassed? And he goes, I just, I'm, I need to leave something for your little brother. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I thought about it. I said, dad, you want you want a truck? He said, yeah. I said, you want some money? He said, yeah. I said, you know what I'm going to do, dad? I'm going to make an album with you. And I'm going to make an album about family and love and loss. And you're going to sing all over it. And you're going to get publishing and you're going to earn every fucking dollar you get. And you're going to understand black ownership, self-investment, X, Y, Z, all this shit. And I said, 50% 
of every dollar you make is going to go into a trust that I can't touch and you can't touch. And when that little boy is of age, he will have something. And that other 50%, you know, Damn. You can have fun with. That is amazing, man. That is brilliant. And it changed our relationship. Whoa. It completely and utterly changed our relationship. Have you started that process with him? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. The You've been al- recording? The album is insane. I'll play you some of this shit. You should be on it. <laughs> Need some raps. Anyway, so I, I, I say this to say that like, it's kind of crazy, these relationships that we have with our parents and how here I am. I thought it was just never going to happen. Mm. And I find myself here. Now, mind you, <laughs> I just found out today because I, I bought him the truck. And he goes, I go, okay, dad, I'm going to buy you this track today. He goes, all right, man, you got to go to Fitzgerald though. Cause that's, and I'm like, don't be telling me what the where fuck? to buy the yeah, truck. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? And I'm like, I got it. I got it. He's like, okay, Sean. Okay, Sean. All right. And then I'm like, cool. So I buy him the truck. He gets the truck the next day. He's saying like the check engine lights on and like fumes are coming into the car and like all this other shit. And so he takes it back to the dealer and he's like, let me get that one instead. And I think deep down, my dad just didn't like the truck that I got him. Cause he was like, where's the DVD player? I'm like DVDs motherfucker. What is this? 2002. <laughs> anyway. So I, I think, I think sometimes. Are you going to have him on the podcast? I already did. I fucking bawled my eyes out. I cried my eyes out. Cause I told him I was like, it was super fun. And then, and then I got really emotional and I was just like, how in the fuck could you leave me outside all day and promise me that you would come pick me up on a Saturday, every Saturday? And I have my fucking bags packed like Huckleberry Finn and I'm on the street just all day and night. And my mom comes to me and she's like, he's not coming. You fucker. Like I asked him and then wow. he's like, he's trying to talk to me and I'm like crying and I'm like, shut the fuck up. Look at me. I'm like, let me cry. Look at Damn. me. Look at me. It was some deep shit, man. But we needed that. Yeah. And, and he, he, he Good, gave man. me that. You're, you're calling him to some accountability, man. That's incredible. It's so healing. It's so beautiful. Do you know, um, Gabor Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate, you ever hear any of his shit? Mm-mm. He's been in a lot of podcasts. He was on, I think he was on Rogan and he's been in a lot of big podcasts, Russell Brand. And, um, uh, he's like the foremost guy on addiction and trauma. Wow. And, uh, he is, he's incredible. Uh, you should get him on the show. He's He's brilliant. He's like 90, but he's so super sharp. And, uh, but, uh, he would be, he would be in awe of what you've done to turn that, to transform that trauma into healing and into gold and into, into grace that there's a forgiveness going on between you and him that it brings an incredible light to that relationship. I've never heard of anything like this before. Oh man. Thank you. It's beautiful. I don't know what I'm doing. It's beautiful and it's tough, man. I I like, I like that. The whole, the album, the, the, yeah. yeah. And I'll show you the album cover. It's crazy. It's my dad in 1960 fucking whatever. And it's like this little boy. Yeah. And it's, and And was he abandoned as a boy? Well, here's the story. So my, my father's name is Robert Lloydell Hall. Okay. He is Robert Bryson Hall. I am Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, which is how he was able to steal my identity before I was 18 and max out credit cards and almost ruin my credit. Anyway, and then my son is Sir Robert Bryson Hall III. Nice. And he told me about how his father was a huge alcoholic. His mother was also an alcoholic, my grandfather and my grandmother. And my grandfather was walking home from the bar one night on Christmas Eve walked up the stairs, slipped on ice, hit his head, froze to death. 
They found him on Christmas morning. Oh my God. A year later, uh, my grandmother had basically drank herself into a coma. Then when she woke up like 18 days later, they were like, if you ever drink again, you're going to die. And she was at a Christmas party and she drank herself to death in a recliner. Very much so like the ones we're sitting in. It's crazy that both of those deaths happened on Christmas. Yeah, I know. And it's Christmas is my shit. I love it. You know, but that's sad. Wow. That's intense, bro. Well, I say with my mom, it's been a long process of healing. I mean, our story wasn't as kind of dramatic and traumatic as yours, but... Um, I don't know, man. She was in cult therapy, dude. Now, now she's 82. Tomorrow is her Whoa, birthday. Oh, happy birthday. And... Uh, She's like just radiance and light. She's amazing right now. Should you get her on the phone? We should call her right now. Does she still smoke weed? No, she's drug and alcohol free. I like that. And uh, and she's like, good morning. Hi, how are you? I heard so many birds this morning. Oh, wow. I love you. How is Walter? How is Holiday? Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, she's that just like- amazing. My dad's like, oh, there was so much crack pipes going on and gunshots. And <laughs> that's what I grew up with. But now it's better. That's so cool, man. Yeah, like, yeah, so, so what's your mother's name? Shay. Her name was Patty Whitman. Okay. Very white. Patricia Whitman from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. From Wyoiga, Wisconsin. Oh, God. And then uh, she changed her name to Shay in the hippie years. Okay. For a while, she moved to Israel and joined a kibbutz and changed her name to Sarah because she wanted to convert to Judaism and live on a kibbutz. What's and a kibbutz? A kibbutz is a, 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 a communal work kind of farm so living situation like a in Israel. from a comic book. Kibbutz. <laughs> like, like Batman um, and Robin. Yeah, like Comic Sans. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> like a font. Um, and she got married. I think I think she's on husband number five. She's had a life. She's had a life. I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's she's really just super loving and and um and she's been a yoga teacher crazy for like 30 years, 30, 40 years. Damn. She still teaches yoga in her eighties. Have you ever done yoga together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a vibe. Yeah. That's what's up. Rain, what makes you happy? Well, um, I would say that what makes me happy is uh, my family. And I really think my greatest accomplishment is being married for 20 some years and together 33 years, um, raising a son somewhat successfully (laughs) um, has been pretty friggin' great. And... I have a spiritual practice that I get a lot of joy from. I had a meditation this morning out on my bench. It was beautiful, communing with nature, communing with the past spirit of my father who died two years ago. Mm. Um, But I have to do a lot of work, Bobby, to kind of get to neutral. So I got to do, I do meditation, prayer, cold plunges, gratitude lists. Wow. Uh, I make calls to guys in recovery programs and I do therapy and I do this just to kind of get to functional. Dude, you're putting in the work. I put in a lot of work just to, and it doesn't make me uh, arrived. It doesn't make me enlightened. It doesn't make me the Buddha. I just kind of, it gets me functional. You seem um, pretty enlightened to me. I've gone through a lot of shit. I, I have some wisdom to share, but I'm really not like uh, any more wise than let's say Steve Carell. All right. I like that. That's, that's shots fired. 
Here comes the rap beef song. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm for kidding. real. I know. Steve, Steve is a great guy and a, and a wise guy. I don't, I do spiritual practice. He's in the mafia? <laughs> He's a wise guy. Sorry. Uh, Bobby Tarantino, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I, I, I think it really shows. And I remember even when we first met, um, I was probably in the depths of drinking a lot. <laughs> I wasn't probably, I was, but I started drinking alcohol much later because of my upbringing and it mm-hmm. scared me straight in a way. And I always say like, I went through my college years, you know, at like 28, you know, as far as like getting fucked up and having fun. And I remember kind of in the middle of that, um, we became homies and I was definitely playing pog champs hungover. <laughs> and then you like came to the crib and we hung out and I remember being like, Hey man, like, or no, I texted you. I was like, yeah, you should come over sometime, have a drink. And you were like, Oh, I can't, I'm behind. And I was like, you're high. What? <laughs> and you were like, no, I'm behind. I was like, what, what is that? And he said, it's a religion. And I looked it up and it's, it's really beautiful. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And I don't know how to explain Like, Cause I, there was a time there where I was like really getting lit, but I was having a blast, you know, I was, I, I was having fun. And now I'm at a place where it's well reined in, like <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and I know that you, you know, you've, you've suffered from, you know, addiction or, or yeah. you know, things like that. Um, how did you find yourself through that? Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think, so we, I talked about Dr. Gabor Mate and he talks about the links between trauma and addiction and that's his whole thing. And he's been talking about that for decades in a kind of a, a deeper and more profound and data-driven researched way than a lot of other psychiatrists and psychologists. And he works on the streets of Vancouver, BC with hardcore heroin addicts and whatnot. But he always goes back to their childhood trauma that led them to drug and alcohol dependence. And for me, you know, I had my little traumas, but I wouldn't call them little. Well, trauma know, is trauma, right? Trauma, trauma, trauma Olympics okay. over here. We're not competing. Trauma dude. Olympics. We should do that. That'd be a good podcast. <laughs> Find the person who's had the most trauma. Okay. You win. <laughs> Wait, what do they win? <laughs> Fucking antidepressants <laughs> for life. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah. So. You know, when I, I started late too, I started because I grew up Baha'i. And then when I left the Baha'i faith and I was um, 20, 21 living in New York City and I was kind of starving artist trying to be an actor. And I started really, you know, I started doing drugs and I started using alcohol. The drug phase was only, it was kind of short lived. What was your drug of choice? Um, I did uh, pot and Coke. Those were my two. Okay, Those were my I've two never ones. done Coke. Talked to Theo Vaughn about doing coke once. He was, uh, it was not a, it was, he was just talking about grabbing his wiener and stuff. So anyway, you were saying. The, uh, that was short lived, but then what I did is I drank a lot and, and I, and I was never like a blackout drunk, like pass out kind of guy. But what I, what happened was, as I realized about 10 years into it, like, oh, I am medicating my anxiety mm. with alcohol. And so I had it every day and I couldn't, I won't say I couldn't get through a day. I didn't like get the shakes, but every single day I would have between three and six beers or a shot or two or half a bottle of wine or something like that. It wasn't like outrageous amounts, but it just took the edge off, but it really wasn't working because my anxiety 
It worked for a while. And that's the thing about drugs and alcohol. When you start them, they work for a while. They make they you do. happy. They uplift you. You feel great. You're doing it responsibly. You know what I mean? And then it starts to slip yeah. and you need more and more to get that same sensation. And then, um, so. And I also feel like, sorry to cut you off. The perpetuation of alcohol in specific with anxiety is gnarly because then it's like, you feel so great when you drink. And if you overdo it, even just a little bit, like you feel it the next day and that yeah. heightens your anxiety. And then maybe you drink a bit more that night to feel even and normal again, but then you wake up and your anxiety's worse. And it's just this like yeah. cycle, dude. Yeah. And I had the same thing. I had the same thing with pot. I think it, I think it works maybe for some people. I don't know. But for me, it would just be the next day that anxiety would be back and maybe even more, you know? So, um, I just kind of, as I got back into my faith, it was at the same time as I was getting sober, basically late nineties, early two thousands. And I was, and then just kind of realizing like, I need to deal with this shit. And I went into therapy and I need to kind of like figure out other ways to, to medicate my anxiety, to soothe my anxiety other than, and it was everything. It's been food. It's been porn. It's mm. been social media. I had to take off my phone because I was kind of getting addicted to that. And I've I just, I spent all day just literally scrolling and, Dude, and commenting. And in my career, when I was posting minimum 10 stories on Instagram a day yeah. and each of them, you know, and they, they run out after 24 hours, they disappear. Yeah. Each of them was, would have a million views on every single one. I felt oh, like damn. a fucking Kardashian. It was weird. And at the height of just like social media, everything that I couldn't take it anymore. And I had yeah. to, I had to get off it for my yeah. sanity. So I feel yeah. you on that. So I have someone running it for me, but I, sometimes I'll go on and yeah. and do some posts and promote some shit, but I don't have it like on my phone and as a daily thing. Cause same. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it gets overwhelming and then it, and then it gets into my self-esteem shit. Cause I'm like comparing people and, oh, they're doing such better posts and, oh, this actor is so much more successful than me. Yeah. And, that oh, people like that better. And the, it just get into this. Dude, whole, that shit is like, I still find myself there. Like, yeah. and, but it's in a, it's in a much better way way, you know, like I used to look at people, whether it was Chance the Rapper or Travis Scott, like, damn man, like I know I'm good as those guys. How come that? And then it's like, bro, I woke up one day and was like, what are you doing? These are your brothers. Like, yeah. be happy for them. And bro. there's room enough in the world for all of you to have great success. I liked when you touched my knee. That was very, oh my God. Do you hear me? I hear you. There's baby. room enough in the world for all of you to have great success. Okay. Thanks. Okay. That's enough. Not, not on camera. There is also... Uh, no, but that, that's a real thing. I think that, that jealousy and that envy, um, I think it's human. I think it's in us. And I even still find myself, if anything, now it's an intrusive thought. It used to be thoughts mm. that I would like plot on and kind of be like, what the fuck? I, I got to do what he's doing. I got to this, I got to that. Mm. And then now, like if I want to do some indie rock shit, or if I want to do this, that, and a third, I'm just like, so what? Who gives a shit? Like if it, if it doesn't stream great, if it doesn't, am I happy? I'm fucking happy. Are me and my friends That's enjoying cool. it? But you, you figured this out at 30, man. It, <laughs> it took me till 50. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm mid fifties and it really took me till late forties, early fifties to kind of like, just be, be good and at peace with like, Hey, 
I can have an acting career and I can do podcasts and write books. And so can all of the other brilliant, wonderful comedic character actors uh, who are roughly in my range and milieu. And there's, there's enough bounty for all of us in God's glorious universe. Yeah, It's not like Highlander. It's not like there can only be one. <laughs> Yo, my movie knowledge game is like so epic that I've never even seen that movie. And yet I can make that reference. Wow. Yeah. Sick. Tell me about it. So soul boom. Soul boom. Okay. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this book. I haven't read it yet. I sent it to you a month ago. I know, but I, I've been taking care of myself. We son. were going to be, we were going to do this like two weeks ago. Yeah. And we canceled and we rescheduled. But also it's like, at least no I'm not, fun excuse. at least I'm not like, you know, almanac of happiness. I'm like honest. I always hate when somebody will like talk about work, like they know it. Yeah. And, and they, they don't. fucking do And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm here. Look, wait, where's my shit? I got a fucking, I, I, I've read. I haven't listened to university neighborhood yet. So <laughs> I read one of them. You can see, I read like 16 pages and I plan to finish it. I'm going to fucking finish it. I'm excited to do it, especially on tour. Um, but one of the things that I saw is when you were talking about, Captain Kirk going to that planet mm -hmm. with the two, with the, like the different types of people. It was about race and like racism yeah. and how yeah. on this Star Trek episode, like this whole planet basically destroyed itself over. Yeah. There's, there's, there's one, one species is half white on one side and black on the other. And the other side is black on that side and white on the other. And you they've been for eons, they've been at war with each other. Sounds like a uh, logic Star Trek uh, crossover yeah, episode yeah. right there. You got to check out that episode. Have you seen the original series? Uh, yeah, I actually bought the whole, like all this, uh, the seasons of the original yeah. one with, yeah. um, well, what's his face? You know, Shatner. Shatner. Yeah. William Shatner. Yeah. And uh, I, it's I've, great. I've seen like probably like 13 episodes so yeah. far. It's yeah. really, it's really good. Yeah. But yeah, man, tell mm. me about this book. I remember, you know, we had a, um, a really great conversation while you were finishing it, it, it up when we yeah. were in Oregon um, and you know what, what it meant to you. So please tell our, our, our listeners um, about it. Sure, man. You know, um, one of the things that has been a passion of mine my whole life is uh, religious thought, spirituality, mysticism. Um, I love the writings of lots of different religions. Mm. Uh, I've read a lot of the great books uh, the Bhagavad Gita and the, the Dhammapadas of the Buddha and, and, um, the Bible and the Quran. And I love this, the way that spirituality and religion intersect with life's biggest, most profound philosophical questions. This has just been a personal, um, hobby of mine. And over COVID, I realized like, oh shit, I'm going to be not acting on sets for a while because wow. uh, every all production got shut down for at least a year. And then after that, it was much more minimal than it had been. This is my opportunity to kind of write down everything I've learned. And, and it, it's really a book to provoke a conversation. It's mm. really about spiritual questions. I write about the soul and God and life after death. I write about the death of my father wow. and, um, the, you know, meaning of life shit, you know, suffering, why do we suffer sacredness? How do we find holiness in our life? And then I have this kind of proposition, which is that we need spiritual tools to solve the world's big problems. We're not going to do it through politics. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, uh, dude, as I get older, the world just, it, it scares me even more and more and more. So it's like, it's like, I feel like when I was young and just a kid, it's like 
we're in fucking Iraq and I'm just like skateboarding and playing Tony Hawk and you just don't think about it. But then when uh-huh. you, when you grow and you have children and you see this world that we live in, like it makes me really sad. Sometimes I'll just have random thoughts. That's like, yo, oh my God, there's like so many people in the world right now in pain, like literally in this <laughs> moment. And like just this empath, empath piece of me, like it's, it's hard, but then you also can't focus on the negative all the time. You know, it's the same reason I can't be on social media or even watch the news and shit. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. the wildest shit. I don't want to turn it on. It's like, Oh, young woman was gang raped today. I'm like, what the fuck? Like this shit is like, it is. Why is it? Why, why is it called the news? That's not news. They should just call it like depressed hour. Well, because it gets people watching more, you know, you, you click on news articles that make you outraged. But it's- why, why do we do that? What the fuck, man? I mean, even, even like, uh, you know, clickbait bullshit, like you, Rain Wilson could say something right now yeah. that is funny. It's, you know, maybe it's a little raunchy, but nothing crazy. And then somebody could literally take a clip and yep. make you seem completely different yep. from how the conversation was. Like that sucks, man. And put it on like up rocks or something like that. And it the, would get a million uh, clicks. What's up rocks. I don't know. Some, one of those outlets, one of those clickbait outlets. Yeah. You mean like fuckboy complex magazine? They suck. No, complex is okay. But some of their writers are just so fucking lame. Like check this out. I was doing a video the other day. <laughs> check this shit out. And I was talking about some shit in the world and I was like, man, I'm not here to judge anybody. Like I love everybody, you know, da, da, da. I was like, you know, I mean, unless you're doing something fucking stupid, like when Kanye wore an all lives or a white lives matter shirt, fucking moron. And I said it like that. And then I was like, but don't get me wrong. I love Kanye West. And I then went into like basically suck his dick and was like, I'm nothing without this man. He was there for me in ways that my father wasn't through his music, da, 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 da. But I was like, yeah, as a black man, I'm not really vibing with the white lives matter just to ruffle shit up. And a lot of people agreed with what I said and even how I said it. But Complex was like, Logic calls Kanye West a fucking moron. Yep. But that particular writer, shout out to you. Do we know who it is? Yeah, whoever. Okay. They did something nobody's ever actually done before in clickbait history, I think. They clickbaited the shit out of me and then they do this write-up. But then in the write-up, they follow it with, after I said what I said about yay, I was like, and watch somebody try to just take what I said as clickbait and not even express the fact that I like love this man. And they actually, at the they end- They listed that. They did list it. But so they still used it. They, it's, you know, have their cake and eat it too. They got their clickbait and yeah. then they, um, yeah. I um, have to urinate. Is that All okay? Right. Yeah, let's take a urine break. Is there, you, you want to, uh, you just want to say anything before we, we take this break? No, I'm going to pee. I'm going to pee too. Do you want to have a sword fight? Let's go. Sometimes after I pee, I just- uh, like let the water run and don't actually wash my hands. I will, I'm going to, I'm going to make an even bolder assertion right now. Are we rolling? It's a joke, by the way, clearly. No, I'm, I'm not joking. And I will say that nine times out of 10, I do not wash my hands. What? When I pee. Really? Why would I walk if, if my hands are clean, listen, hear me out, just shut up for a minute and let your guests speak on your fucking podcast. Okay. Why, if my hands are clean and I go into a bathroom and I unzip my pants and I take my perfectly clean wiener in my hand, which has had a shower that morning and then sterile urine flows freely. And then I 
flush the toilet and zip up. Why do I need to wash my hands? Please explain to me why I need to wash my goddamn hands. I only wash them if I've been out and they've been like touching grungy things around and then I will wash my hands for general hygiene. Now, of course, if I poop, I'm going to wash them so thoroughly. You're not even going to, your head is going to spin. It's like a, like a fucking brain surgeon, but for urine, no, thank you. You touched it. Oh, you just touched shit. it. Oh, fuck. Boom. All right. So clip that. So boom. complex. <laughs> and they will because they're fuck boys, but they'll probably cut this part out. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? We were talking about the book, but you fucking snapped. You just like went, you just, what do you mean? You just literally like aced it. You gave I, me like the YouTube recap of the whole I went, book. It's incredible. Went in the book? The recap? Yeah, you just yeah. did that. You just killed it. With the urine hand washing? No, thing? with what we were talking about before the the urination. Yeah. You know, I think that young people and your kids and your fans, the logic fans, uh, can and should be talking a, a little bit more deeply and mm. specifically about life, God, the meaning of life, the per its purpose, our souls, and um and digging into spiritual tradition and thought because it can make our lives better. You talk about mental health. There are spiritual tools that can make your life tangibly better. And oftentimes people so have such a reaction against religion that they're not looking at the tools that a lot of religions have given us mm. that can make our lives better and can make our communities better. Soul boom. You're in for a treat. Urine and urine for a treat. Okay. So when's the last time you laughed really, really hard? What makes you laugh really hard? My son is 18 and a half and he really makes me laugh. Hard. Like what? Like what makes he just has, he just has wise cracks and he just, he just knows how to get me. So he's definitely your son. Yeah. And he also like, He's 18 and a half, but then all of a sudden he'll start, he's like 11 and he'll go like, you know, like the, when you go by the auto dealerships and there's oh, those yeah. hose guys that are going like this. That's me in every music video I've ever done, by the way. Is that how you dance? I don't dance. I just walk and I just try to be J. Cole. And um, but he'll video. do that. So he's like Mr. Too Cool for School, 18 and a half, like Mr. Punk Rock, like indie emo dude, you know, with like a black trench coat and what? his hair in his eyes and, and mascara. And he's like, really? Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and like then the he'll, one day he'll just want to goof off and he'll be like, hey, dad. It's funny because my yeah. son does that now. <laughs> Just wait till he's 18. Good I'm kind of like scared. Good luck. 18. What's Teenage, that like? Teenage years are, are rough, man. Really? Are they? Yeah. But the earlier ones are rough, you know, 13 to 16. That's it. Then they, then they start to get shit a little more figured out. Yeah. I, th I think my only fear is like, I am like, I resonate with what you said about your mother. Like even, even with our boy, like we talk to him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll definitely, my big thing that I do, like, I don't yell, I don't this, I don't that. But if he's like yelling if he says something at his mom like no I, I i always go hey that's my thing yeah i just go hey and then he looks at me daddy and i go you treat your mother with respect and he goes oh uh, okay and i go no what do you say you say yes sir and he goes yes sir <laughs> 
and he's so sweet and I love, I love it. it. And it's, it's pretty amazing. So you said, I say that to my son. I was like, your mother, look at her. She carried you inside her stomach for nine months. She carried you around in there. Don't talk to her that way. Well, that's real, dude. It's true. It's biology. Look it up. So how was that nut you busted this morning? Was it a good one? I'm not going there. Was it nice? Was it a fun time? Your wife was very accommodating. (laughs) Is it true that orgasms become less, uh, you know, as you get older? Uh, It's not across the board, Mm. but I definitely, um, like one out of every like four is kind of a letdown. It's like a (laughs) wah, wah. But the other one was good. It's it's just as good. It's just occasionally one doesn't like hit for some reason. I like that. I also love that we're just having fun right now. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why'd you let go? I need some urine on my hands. Your hands are ridiculously soft. They are? Yeah. It's, I don't like it. Why not? What? That's what my know. wife says. It's like, it's like holding hands with a sea anemone. A what? A sea anemone. What the fuck is that? Google it. No, just tell me you're here. It's My a, mom used to say that shit. It's a sea creature. Sea anemone? Sea anemone. They have like these, in tide pools, they wave and they have these little pasty, pale, soft tendrils. See, if this was Joe Rogan, the assistant, would put it up on the screen. Oh, shit. He just took. Brandon's now Googling it. Sea anemone. Can Brandon. you even, can you, do you know how to spell it? Took it took you so long to get Google up, Brandon. Yeah, you're kind of fucking up. Oh, that shit. That's funny. Sea anemone. Holding hands with you is like holding hands with a sea anemone. That sounds like a rap. Holding hands with you is like we're holding hands with a sea anemone. And that's what I say to all of my enemies. And I'm a, anybody who's trying to befriend me. Oh, that's good. Mm, come on, keep going. Even Eminem and I'll take an Eminem enemy. I like that. Did you just say Eminem and Yeah, even Eminem have an Eminem enemy. Even Eminem is my enemy. So we should we should write a rap right now. Let's do it. Okay. Yo, I don't wash my hands and I bust nuts every single morning. Kill the pussy to the whole family morning. What's up? It's Rain Wilson and his bitch. Now I'm a beatbox and you can take the itch. Check it. I'm over here hanging out with Logic today. I barely knew how to get here because it's so complicated. In this area of Los Angeles. Oh, it's supposed to rhyme. Fucked it up, dude. God. I started monologuing. I like it. Um, do you ever feel that you're in a way always on? I mean, not maybe not home with your wife and shit, but you know, kind of in the world, like as a comedian, like it is it a little stressful or is it fun? Is it more like let me Um I, I, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. This is, this is me. This is kind of me. This That's is kind of who I, I am. You know, I think no matter who you are though, if there's yeah. a camera on like, yeah, you little, a little bit, a little bit, but I've always been like a performer. I would do little mimes for my parents. So that's you where know, your boy fly, got it from. Fly a kite and like pretend to be a sea anemone, <laughs> you know, at the dinner table. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a performer, but I used to be, 
here's the difference. Okay. I used to really care so much what people thought of me and I would be a people pleaser. Mm. So everything was like, please like me. I hope I get a laugh so that you like me and, and you won't reject me. And that was an energy that drove my life for a long time. And that is fucking exhausting. I really think, and I'm still on this journey, but true self-acceptance, like when you can like look in the mirror and be like, I like me, like I like me, you know, I'm proud of what I've done. Yeah. It's really special. And that's why I think sometimes the internet can be difficult because Mm. it's like you could put out a a show or a, a song or just, you know, regular Joe puts, posts a picture of himself or herself that they, that they like, you know, and somebody's there to be like, yeah, you got a zit right on your fucking eyelid. Da, da, da. And then it's yeah. just, isn't that crazy? Totally, yeah. And it can just kind of like suck that away from you. That's why honestly, I don't feel like we as human beings, the amount of information that we consume daily is like shit that like people would 50 years reading tabloids yeah. would know. Yeah. Never in a lifetime. Insane. Yeah. It's yeah. like so crazy. How did you know you know, to kind of take a step back from it all. Like what, what, was there a moment? It hasn't been a moment. It's just been a lifetime of, you know, of some therapy and some recovery and meditation Mm -hmm. and spirituality of just like what gets in the way from me living my truest life and, uh, too much news, too much stimulation, too much social media, uh, too many like game video games. I mean, I, I love video games. You game and well, I haven't in a while, but you know, I've liked them in the past. I've I've haloed. <laughs> I've Call of Dutyed. Okay, uh, did you wash your hands after? And I always wash my hands after a duty. Great, that's a call of. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, it's stripping away the stuff that gets in the way between me and my most authentic sense of well-being. It takes a while to learn that though. I think the hardest thing we can do is be ourselves. Like it's a hard thing to Mm. do, to just look in the mirror and be happy with who you are. So when I started therapy, my, my therapist was like, I want you to say daily affirmations. Wow. Yeah. And and so he like printed out a list of affirmations like he'd gotten from the internet. It was literally had like. Wash your hands. Ads ads on the set. No affirmations, like positive things that you say to yourself. And then, um, and uh, the first one was, I am enough. Oh my goodness. So I, I read it and I was like, I am enough. I'm like, well, I'm not saying that one. I'm like, what about, and he goes, uh, 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 slow up. That's the one you need to say, because wow. that's the one you have the most resistance to. So I had it taped to my mirror and every morning I'd go in and he said, before you brush your teeth, you look in the mirror and you say, I am enough. And it was hard for years to just look in the mirror, say, I am enough. doesn't mean I have to do enough. I'm a human being, not a human doing. That's good. Oh, snap. That's a bar. I didn't say that. I didn't make that up. I think someone else did, but it was, it was hard. You know, it's really vulnerable and it's like, it, it really resonated because I just had that deep feeling in the pit of my stomach that I was, no matter what I did, I was never enough, never good enough, never lovable enough. It's, it's taken me a long time to get to that point. Dude, uh, big boy from big boy's neighborhood. Um, incredible radio personality. Didn't he lose a ton of weight? He did. Yeah. But this was like a super long time okay. ago. He got, he, he had uh, I think he had stomach surgery. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, he he's, was, he was you know, big, he's, he's medium boy now. Yeah. No, he's, he's like, he's, little he's boy. like, 
He's a little boy. He's slim like, boy. He's kid, yeah. yeah, slim boy. Slim boy. But uh, great man. One of the best people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, our relationship very much so like ours, it's like, it's not about all this shit. Like this is fun when, when it gets done and it's cool to do something sure. like this, whatever. But, you know, I'll text him and just be like, Hey man, I love you. Like, I hope you're good. I hope you're doing well. And I remember um, when I retired for like six days, I, um, <laughs> I remember telling him like a reason why I felt this way and all this other shit. And he was, he said, he said, Bobby, this game is a game of enough. And this world tells you you're not good enough, strong enough, cool enough, hood enough, black enough, this enough, that enough. And he goes, I am going to tell you, you are enough. And when he said that shit to me, I just started crying. Wow. Cause I was like, Oh my God. That's like, beautiful. It was really, he didn't know it. I was on the other side. I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, mm. trying not to, but he, it struck a chord and it is obviously I'm talking about it now. It is one of, you ever have conversations with people and they're so amazing. Like you walk away from whether it's a best friend or somebody you just met or whatever, and it's deep and you walk away from the conversation knowing it has impacted you and literally changed your life. Like, and it, even if it's these little things, I think about that, how like the man I was five years ago compared to now, it's those little things mm. and that really change you. Do you ever feel that way after like having a conversation or experiencing something? I'm feeling it right now. That's cool. I, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel that like I, I remember, and I, it's a story I tell in, in my book, Soul Boom, Soul Why Boom. We Need a Spiritual Revolution, available at bookstores near you. I tell a story about this acting teacher I had, who's this famous acting teacher named Andre Gregory. Mm. And, um, he would meet with his acting students and he met with me and we had tea and this was in New York a long time ago and like 20 years ago. And then he said, um, so how are you doing rain? And I was like, well, I'm feeling kind of depressed. I feel pessimistic. I feel kind of, um, hopeless, a little cynical. I feel like the world is so shitty and I just don't know and blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget it. Bobby, true story. He was this old frail man. He grabbed my arm Jesus, hard Fuck. and he looked in my eyes and he was like, don't, oh. don't do it. Don't be cynical. If you're cynical, they win. If you're pessimistic, they win. You have to keep hope alive. It is so important that you stay hopeful and you keep hope alive and work toward the good. Because if you stay pessimistic and cynical, then you're going to sit there and you're not going to do anything and you're not going to change the world and you're not going to make it better. And he was like staring lasers into my eyes. Wow. And I remember like stumbling out of his Greenwich Village apartment into New York City and that was one of those things like, holy shit, he is absolutely right. I have no time to get pessimistic and negative and cynical. That is just going to keep me on my couch mm-hmm. and I'm not going to make a difference. And I'm so grateful for that. And it was maybe a minute and a half conversation and it changed my life. Wow, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's like beautiful. And I, I need to hear it now. It's yeah. like, it's important. Like, it's a, well, that's one of the things I love about you and for real, since I got to know you, like your where you live and where you work is just a fountain of creativity. Oh, you're wow. kind of like, Hey, I'm working on my guitar solo over here. And look, here's this new graphic magazine I'm doing. And like, Oh, you got to check out this music video I just shot. And I've got my rock album over here. And then I wrote a book. Hey, look, <laughs> look at the rough draft. Of my, like you're just like generating positive stuff. And that's why your fans love you so much. Thank Cause, you. cause you're like, 
you're just bringing positivity and creativity and humor and tragedy to the world all the time. And it doesn't get better than that. And especially a kid that was abandoned the way you were and abused and traumatized the way you were to be able to go through that, to get to this point is fucking baller, dude. Can wow. I, can I, can you be in your mid fifties and say baller? Yeah, can of I say course that? you can. You just pulled it off. Can I be a middle-aged white guy and say uh, baller? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, thousand thank percent. You. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Wow. For real. Thank for real. you for that. That's for like, you just made my fucking day, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just feel like I, I, and I'm sure people out there listening feel this way. Sometimes you just don't feel seen, you know what I mean? Or maybe sometimes you don't feel like what you're doing is working or whatever. And like, you just even saying like, you're just my buddy. So the fact that you see all that, like, well, I'm an artist and I create a lot and I do videos and yeah. I make stuff and I write and stuff like that. But when I come over to Logic's house, <laughs> it's it's nuts, man. Thank you, man. It's nuts. I, well, do you know? Um, you, have you ever been to a party and there's like a chocolate fountain, and you dip like a graham cracker or a, uh, and they have it like literally a, cho- a a fountain of chocolate. Have you ever seen those? What kind of rich ass? It's a rich ass thing. Parties you go into, like, like fondue and shit. Three or, it's like three or four times I've been and there's been a chocolate fountain. Your my new nickname for you is Chocolate Fountain. <laughs> Because okay, you've got it. this chocolate fountain of creativity. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. It's probably white chocolate fountain, but still it's, that's a vibe. Yeah, mixed mocha. Yeah, exactly. Mochaccino. Mochaccino. Um, dude, I just want to say thank you so very much for joining me here today. You've, uh, you've really brightened my spirits, honestly. I, and I can, I know I can say the same for every fucking person in this room. Like everywhere you go, man, you, you bring, uh, you bring positivity. He's looking around. He's Everybody's like, on their phones. They're like, <laughs> no. they're all on their Instagram. Like, no. bum, bum. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Great talk. No, dude. They're listening, man. We're all listening. And, and, and you, uh, you deserve to be celebrated as you are. And I think, um, what you've given to the world and there's so much left to give, you know what I mean? There's so much inside of you creatively, spiritually. Um, and it's just like, it's such an honor to have you here and you should know, like, here's your flowers. Like, here you go, bro. Like you're, you're an amazing, <laughs> you're an amazing person and you're a, a genius, um, artist. And I am honored to call you my friend. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yes. Yeah, but for real, check it. Are we doing this right now? You oh, are. Yeah. Yo, yo, what's up? It's the LOG I see from MD, the one and only. Understand, can I get it now? I kind of feel like Tom Hanks and Wilson. Did you get the joke, homie? You Wilson, suit enough. I got to keep it going with the bluff. What the fuck is this beat, Rain? This is logically speaking. I love you guys. Uh, see, you, see you next time. Peace out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Logically Speaking. Please make sure you click the link and check out more things. Don't forget to subscribe. All those things, things like that. Don't forget. Peace.